So the reading today is from Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 9 to 21, and you can find it in the uh, Church Bibles on page 1139. That's page 1139. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. I can hear the lack of peace already next door. I think the walls of Jericho are coming tumbling down. Um, but um, it's great to be here this morning. Um, let me just pray before we begin. Lord Jesus, I pray for a breaking in of your spirit this morning, the renewing of our minds through your word and a deepened understanding of your peace. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, my name's Robin Hawkins. I, I usually go to the evening service, um, but I do sometimes come to the morning service. Um, I help out with Rooted, so I haven't actually really been to a sermon in the morning service, but here's my first one and I'm giving it, so there we go. Um, we're looking at peace this morning. I absolutely love that picture, which is not there anymore, but it, it, it was so peaceful looking at those green hills um, up there. Um, thank you very much for reading. Um, yeah, over kind of the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to be looking, um, looking at Christian peace and what, what it really is. Wherever you are in your faith walk this morning, there is something for all of us um, in this passage. Gosh, when was the last time you got to the end of your day and you thought, what a peaceful day that was? I, I have to admit, I haven't had one of those days for a little while. Um, but even as Christians, um, we find ourselves feeling uncertainty, don't we? Disconcerting circumstances around us. The anxieties and worries of our lives do come rising up. We see and experience broken relationships around us. But peace, peace is a mark of godliness. God is the author of peace. And so it is a trait that Christians should strive for. What's the Bible's narrative on peace? In its simplest form, peace is really order, isn't it? 
I mean, if we look back at Genesis, we find God creating the world, the universe, and he created it with order. There was peace. There wasn't discord. There wasn't chaos. There was peace. The God of peace created this universe. But, as we all know, soon after, the work of the devil and Adam and Eve being tempted, disorder came into the world. There was no peace. Well, there was a lack of peace now. And man found himself in opposition to God. There's sin. Sin was a barrier between us and God. There was disorder. But from that moment onward, God has not stopped pursuing to be at peace with us again. He reached out his hand. He reaches out his hand. He pursues us. He wants a relationship with us to be at peace with us again. That we would turn and that we would see him as our father He created us in his image. He loved us. And therefore he wants to be at peace with us again. And so this is is my first point. Ultimate peace comes from peace with God. Ultimate peace comes from peace with God. Until we have peace with God, the biblical narrative is that we, we can't really have peace within and peace with others. Isaiah describes it as being tossed around on the sea when we're not at peace. Tossed around, the waves rushing up, the wind, the mud, the mire, he says. A lack of peace. But you know what? If, if that's you today, if the waves are rising and the air's blowing and there's turmoil, that doesn't have to be like that. God's peace is on offer for all of us. God promises to ground your soul for you to find eternal peace. And it's through a relationship with Jesus, as we've just sung about in In Christ Alone, those words, so true. It comes through a relationship with Jesus, believing that Jesus' death on the cross is the full substitute for every wrongdoing. It undoes that rebellion and that opposition that we find ourselves in with God. Romans 5, verse 1. Since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God, peace with God through faith, through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God reaches down to us with his peace, and all we do is receive it through faith. There's nothing that we do in order to receive that. It is God's work alone, and it is us receiving it through believing. When we're, with, when we're at peace with God, we suddenly find that we have all of these spiritual resources that we can tap into. And they're, they're called the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They all become available to us, and they are the working of the Spirit in our lives. And today we're going to be focusing on the Spirit of Peace. And this is the, the peace of God working supernaturally in our lives. Look down with me at uh, verse 11 from our passage today. And Paul tells us how we can go about tapping into these spiritual resources. Never be lacking in zeal. Zeal is devotion. But keep yourself, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. What is spiritual fervor? I don't know about you, but last weekend was an epic weekend for English sports. Everyone aware of what went on? There's two things. 
for English sport. What was the first one? Cricket. And the second one? The rugby. Absolutely. For those of you who don't know, England uh, are still in contention for the Ashes, which is the cricket series against Australia, where we play for this tiny little urn of ashes. Um, and then the rugby, it's a warm-up game against Ireland, but any game against Ireland is, is an important one. And uh, we absolutely hammered them. Sorry if you're Irish. <laughs> Apologies. But I just... Um, but the thing is, like, I, I, I love reading all the articles afterwards, um, seeing the highlights, um, really getting a feel for the, for the backstory, like what this means for the sport as we kind of go forward. Um, I, I have real sporting fervor, don't I? And I'm sure many of us could probably share that as well. So what does spiritual fervor look like? We can look at the book of Acts in the early church and get a real sense of what spiritual fervor was and is. Early on in the book of Acts, it talks about the early church meeting together, studying the words of the apostles, fellowship, breaking of bread, worshipping together, praying together. All of these things combined together, they found that the work of the Spirit worked in their lives and in other people's lives. And we today can do the same thing. As we study God's word, it's living, it's breathing, it speaks to us. As we meet with one another, we're able to help each other. The work of the Spirit with others. This is our spiritual fervor. And we come to the Lord in prayer as well. So we may find ourselves living at peace with God, but do we have the spiritual fervor to receive the spirit of peace. And this is my next point. Receive the peace of God. We have peace with God, but are we receiving the peace of God? Are we receiving it? And what does this look like? Let's look at verse 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Let's start with the first of those, joyful in hope. You know, shortly before Jesus went to the cross... He had his disciples all gathered together. Um, This is from John 16, if you want to look it up now or afterwards. And he he talks about how they're going to feel grief when he leaves. He talks about this grief and how they're going to mourn. But then he then says, your mourning will turn to joy. He says, you will weep and mourn, but your grief will turn to joy. Jesus gave them hope that he would return, rise again three days later. And they found joy in that. And at the end of that little passage, he's saying, I've told you these things so that you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So that you may have peace. He gave peace to his disciples there through the hope that he would return to rise again three days later. And now we, living after Jesus' death, but before his return, we have that same hope. We have his promises that he will return again. And he says to us, I've told you these things that you may have peace. So we can be joyful in our hope of the future, of Jesus returning, and that gives us peace. Jesus also said in that same sentence, I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. This is something that can give us real peace and real hope. Ephesians 1.22 describes this. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him. This is Jesus. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him head over everything for the church. Jesus has been appointed over everything on the behalf of the church, on our behalf, believers, for us. 
over the universe. There isn't the smallest thing that Jesus' power or love can't touch. You know, Matthew says, Jesus tells us that not even a sparrow can fall to the ground apart from the will of the Father. He says even the hairs of our head are numbered. But if you're like me, even though I know that Jesus has the reign over everything in this world, I still find it hard to believe that sometimes. And I don't allow the power of that to work in my life and bring me peace when I lose my luggage at the airport um, or when I'm feeling ill um, or perhaps it's the thought of repaying the mortgage, like where's the cash going to come from? We have these kind of seeds of doubt sown in our minds. And you know what? It's the work of the devil who sows doubt in our minds. We may believe that Jesus can do these things, but that doubt pops into our mind that will he, do, will he actually do these things for me? Does he care for me? Does he really love me as much as he says he does? Someone once said to me, don't, doubt your, uh, don't believe your doubts and doubt your beliefs, but believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. We've got to believe that Jesus is in charge, that he has authority, and that brings us peace. The second half of verse 12, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. You know, this is really similar to that famous verse in Philippians 4, 5 and 6. Um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. So in both that verse that I've just pulled out of Philippians and this one in Romans here, Paul wrote the Philippians and the Romans, um, we find him talking about being faithful in prayer. The number one thing we should do when we're worried, Paul says, is to go to God in prayer. Nothing is too small or too big for him, as I've already mentioned. God's love is so sincere. It's the purest of things. We sing about it all the time. We've just sung about it in Christ alone, that, that second verse, this gift of love and righteousness. Um, there was a bit about peace in there as well. There we go. First verse, what heights of love, what depths of peace. It's the purest thing we can know. The other thing in that verse is for us to be thankful. But for what? What, what, what can we be thankful about when we're feeling anxious and worried? Doesn't that seem a bit, a bit sort of tough, a bit backward? How do I, how, why, am I, why should I be thanking God when I'm anxious and worried? I've got to, I've got to sort this out. But it's what Paul tells us we should do. We should be thankful. We can be thankful for God's faithfulness to us, for him delivering us out of past troubles. And the result of the two things, praying and thankfulness, is what Paul calls the peace of God. And it protects our hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. I'll just read that second half of that verse again. Let me find it. I'll read the whole thing, actually. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... Through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Often we think that peace comes when we are delivered from bad circumstances, but actually Paul is saying here, like, actually, you know what? The peace of God comes when we're thankful and when we pray, when we go to prayer with God and we come with thankful hearts. That's, that's how we tap into peace. And as we receive peace within, and as it grows in us, and as the Spirit of God works in us, 
it naturally overflows and works out to other people. That's how it works. Throughout the Bible, when we're told about being at peace with other people, there's this real emphasis on how we need to pursue it with others and make every effort. So this is my third and final point. Pursue peace with one another. Pursue peace with one another. Pursuing peace is an active thing. Paul in Romans 14 says, make every effort to do what leads to peace. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live at peace with all men. 1 Peter 3, 10 to 11, whoever would love life and see good days must seek peace and pursue it. In preparation for this sermon, I did a quick Google search for stories about forgiveness and peace. Um, and you get dozens and dozens coming up on, on, on Google, and there's videos of people sort of talking about these things. Um, a couple of the top hits are on people who are sort of forgiven uh, Nazi war criminals and murderers, and you hear these amazing stories, which I, I don't quite understand how people manage to do it, but they're of, of utter forgiveness and being at peace with people who have, who have wronged them so severely. Um, one that really kind of struck me was this story of this American pastor who um, his wife and daughter um, died in a car crash. Someone fell asleep at the wheel and just went straight into the car. And, um, and this American pastor, he, he really pushed for, for the guy who was now in prison for his sentence to be diminished. Um, and then he started meeting up with him for coffee and just chatting to him and getting to know him. And they're now really good friends and they're still good friends. I mean, I have no idea how he had the strength to do that. But an incredible story of how someone could forgive and, and be at peace with that person. And I came across another story where this kind of forgiveness was emphasized, where this lady, she had, she had she'd been full of revenge um, for a long time over, over someone who had done something to her. And eventually she started, to, she started to forgive the person internally. And she found that as she did that, this power she had over the situation not the power of the person but the power over her kind of struggle inside she she started to have power over it and she was beginning that transition into sort of feeling a sense of peace again after this turmoil to some degree we've all experienced hurt abuse whatever it may be and these areas are incredibly tough um but the peace of god the loving God, the God who reaches down to his people is there for us. The spirit of peace is there to be received, to heal. Verse 14 has some good words for us on how to, um, on how to be at peace with others. It's pretty strong though. Look at down at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. As children of God, we're peacemakers. Um, Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount said... Uh, let me find it. <laughs> um, he said, blessed are those who... I've... Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. As children of God, we're peacemakers. But what gives us the strength to bless and not curse? It goes back to knowing and believing that things, that all things are under the power and control of Jesus. Now, we may not see the repayment of, of persecution against us, but we've got to trust that God's sovereignty over everything. We've got to trust in his sovereignty that his goodness will lead to good things happening ultimately. 
And then verse 15, the next verse afterwards. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. You know, Paul was writing to the Roman church here. Live in harmony with one another. We see so many times throughout, um, throughout Paul's letters, him sort of discussing and talking about sort of discord within the church um, and how the church needs to be one body. Um, and this, this is a real thing for us. Like, we hear a lot of stories in, 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 the, world, in the worldwide church today of discord um, and a lack of harmony between believers and in the church. Paul says, the body is a unit. This is the church. And though it is made of many parts, they form one body, and so it is with Christ. The church is Christ's body. And so if we're not at peace with one another within the church, then that, that's not how it should be. Like, the church is God's glory. The church is God's glory, and that's what's at stake here. Um, and so we, we should really pursue peace with one another in order for the church to be how God intended for it to be. <clears throat> Verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. You know, it's really clear from verse 18 and 19 that we're to do everything as much as possible to pursue peace and not to seek revenge. I don't know about you, but that's, that's so much easier said than done. Not to seek revenge, even, even though we might, we might not instinctively try and seek revenge in a, in a hurtful way, but internally, I find myself seeking revenge with people. It feels so natural, doesn't it? We want to we seek revenge. We want, to be, um, we want the offending party to, to know that we've been aggrieved, but, but Paul is so clear here that we've got to leave that matter to God. God's judgment alone is always according to the truth. God is good. God is loving. He is just. God knows all the facts and the motives behind everything. And therefore, we are to trust in God's goodness. Jerry Bridges' um, book, The Practice of Godliness, you may have seen it mentioned over the last couple of weeks. The sermon series has been sort of based on on this and a few chapters from it. Um, And he's got some really... He's just got some words that are quite helpful for this kind of area to do with um, not concerning yourself with justice. He says, don't concern yourself with justice. Leave it to God. Concern yourself with something else, like winning over the offender if he or she is an unbeliever. Paul finishes our passage today, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's quite plain and simple. Resist evil and allow the spirit of God, the goodness of God, the love, that same love that reached down to us to work through our lives, the spirit of peace to work through us into others. Shake off those shackles of doubt that Jesus will not intervene in the uncertainty of our lives. And we need to prayerfully and thankfully turn to God with our worries and our anxieties. And through this, we'll see the goodness of God's peace working in us. You know, that the spirit, as it works in us and through us, we will see evidence of that working out. Peace with others, peace within. So to finish, we're just coming into land here. Quick reiteration of a few points. So the three points 
are this. Ultimate peace comes from God. The second is receive the peace of God. And the third is pursue peace with others. And there's a thread that runs through all of that. There's a thread that runs through all three, and that's the spirit of peace. The peace that God gives us, it's his responsibility to give it to us. When we come to him in faith and receive him, he gives us these spiritual resources that we can tap into. God's love reigns supreme over everything. He wants you to know his peace fully. Paul describes the peace of God as transcending all understanding. And so part of me feels that I've tried to describe the impossible to you this morning. Um, but I'd really like just for us to take a moment now, just to kind of consider what God might be saying to you this morning about peace. Is it that you're really kind of feeling turmoil and unrest and that you just you want to go to the Father, you want to pray to him and just ask for his peace? He will work peace in our lives through prayer and thankfulness. We'll feel that peace. We have joy and the hope in the future of what Jesus has done for us ultimately. Maybe there are some relationships that you feel like you need to, you need to work on and, and, and that you need to pursue some peace. Have a think about it. Have a prayer about it. What's God saying to you this morning about that? I'm just going to pray to finish.